Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. Hi everyone, it is Laura here. I have just come in quickly to interrupt you before we get into today's intro, just because at the time that we recorded the intro on Monday, we hadn't got this information ready for you yet, but I thought it was really important that we shared it. So in the light of everything that's happening in the world right now, we wanted to make Kick more available to you guys and also to bring that sense of community to your home if you are unable to get to the gym to do your workouts. And so what we are doing is launching a free online Kick gym. So we have got four classes running. Uh, It'll be running at 7am this Wednesday so today as this podcast is released and then on Friday and then next week Wednesday and Friday 7 a.m Australian daylight Eastern Standard Australian daylight saving times is that how you say it um the time in Melbourne basically uh, and we will be doing Steph and I will be taking you through a kick strength and then a kick hit workout um, it'll be really nice for us all to come together and while we will be doing it obviously virtually and streaming it online I think it'll be a really nice way to get back into routine especially if you are working from home um, that's why we made the workouts at seven so we can get up and start our day together so I hope to see you guys there it'll be on Facebook live on our Facebook public keep it cleaner page and also on our Instagram feed keep it cleaner um, as a live video so yeah let's get into the podcast hey Lawsy. good morning how are you going good how are you yes i am good i'm sad that we are about to go into self-quarantine and not, yeah. not be able to see you as often as usual but we have the phone we're very lucky yes it is it is a it's a really hard time for everyone and we're recording um on monday so obviously this is coming out in two days so it, at the time that this is recorded things might have changed exactly you, you know we don't we don't know but yeah. at, at this point obviously the government has just recommended that everyone um it practices social distancing yeah so we are um working from home and, yeah. and we're really lucky at kick that we, that we have the ability mm. everyone has a laptop they can all bring it home and work from home mm. um so yeah mm. so what's your special share well i wanted to share something because obviously this is everyone feels a bit I don't know but of course a bit sad and yeah. scared and you know in this time and so I have started thinking of things that we can do at home to make us happy oh that's in so this cute. time because you know being stuck inside I think it kind of seems scary but then at the same time it's it shouldn't be scary because it's just being proactive and protecting ourselves and protecting the people who could be uh, I suppose affected by the virus and so we need to find fun things to do in, inside Absolutely. and what have I got for you well I'm gonna have a multiple of schedule shares right now okay so first of all put on a Taylor Swift album and dance yeah by yourself yeah or with someone if you have anyone that you live with. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I feel like dancing to music is something that it's like, oh, I would never do that. And then you start doing it and you're like, I'm smiling. Yeah, exactly. So that's my first one. My second one is to, if baking makes you happy, mm-hmm. bake a cake I or bake muffins or bake something, yep. bake soup, not make, not bake. You don't with bake whatever soup. flour and stuff <laughs> you've got in your cupboard. Yeah, whatever you have, try and um, experiment. Yeah. Try some new recipes. Um, what else have I thought of? Oh, if you have a series that you have never been able to watch because you haven't had Now's time. Now's the time. Now is the time. Same with books. Absolutely. My biggest excuse with reading is I don't have time. 
now I will have time. Absolutely. So do that. Uh, join TikTok. Make funny videos <laughs> of yourself. I mean, TikTok is, you know, it's funny. I think it's one part of social media that mm, because it hasn't been overly kind of um, commercialized yet. Totally. I know there's ads and stuff, but not, you know, not to the point of Instagram. It's yeah. actually just a place you can go on and people are just creating videos for no reason that are really funny. Yeah. And you can just laugh. Yeah. You can try and learn a dance move or two. <laughs> Takes me, if you go on our Keep It Cleaner TikTok, it's actually, what is it? Keep It Cleaner Squad, yeah, it's called. Keep It Cleaner Squad. Yes. Uh, there's 50 videos of Steph and <laughs> one of me because I am not a good TikToker, <laughs> but I'm going to try and do some because You're it takes me way too long to learn these dance moves. Yeah. I'm very jealous of people that can just be like, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, yeah. got it. Yeah. I'm like, ah, uh, wait, I've only learned the first one second. <laughs> anyway, so there's some fun things um, that you might be able to do at home. That's my special joke. I love that. And I think what we were talking about earlier before we were recording was um, that you were saying kind of it's almost the universe telling everyone to slow down a little hmm. bit. And whilst it is totally a stressful time and we understand some people will be in a harder position than others, it is kind of a good reminder to slow down um and as you said to make time for those mm. things that do make you smile um we'll have time for them now so try and see the light in a dark situation um mine is is kind of it, it's really just the it's cool to be kind um it's not really a, i think it's a quote but it's it a, a short quote. one yeah it was yeah, on yeah. pinterest yeah that's it okay cool um it's cool to be kind i think this is a big one because i think at stressful times like this we've all seen either on the news or on Facebook how horrible some people mm. have been getting due to the stress and everything and I think it's just obviously it's cool to be kind at all times um, people should do that every day mm. and practice that every day but especially in a time like this um, where um, there's some people that are, might be going through it a little tougher than you are let's just like all remember to think of each other and um, put our, ourselves in other people's shoes and just do our best in this kind of situation so just be kind everyone out there and um, don't know if when you're listening to this if we'll be in complete lockdown but if you are if we're all still in a state where we can go out in public just remember to be kind to everyone around you yeah be kind online too yeah and I think also it's important on that I love that because I think also we're all very stressed and we might react to situations a little bit differently than totally. we usually would so I think um, just cut people a little bit of slack and know that some people are really stressed at this time so they might not be reacting you know the, the way that they normally totally. would um, yeah, so just be, I don't know, be patient and love, I love that. Yeah. Thank you for your special share. So we have a special podcast ahead of us today, Lorzy. Who have we got on? Yes, this is a special one. And I think this podcast has come at a really important time because yeah. it is all about mindset mm. and um, I suppose how to be more resilient in your mindset and get through things and change the way you think. And we have got Eloise Wellings, who is an absolute legend. Mm. We hope you guys enjoy this. She's a two-time Olympic runner and three-time Commonwealth Games athlete. And she's also training for the two Tokyo. <clears throat> and she's also training for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics after just having her second child in November, mm. which is amazing. Eloise speaks about resilience, finding your worth and defining ourselves outside our jobs and what we do. She has an incredible view on failure and changing our mindsets. And we think that you guys will really enjoy this one. Also, guys, just wanted to pre-warn you before we get into this chat. Eloise does discuss her previous eating disorder. So if you think this may be triggering for you, we recommend switching off. Otherwise, here's Eloise. Eloise, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. So we wanted to start, obviously, by saying that you are such an inspiration for young women. So we are so honoured to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much. Thank we you. wanted to start by talking about 
some of the setbacks that you've had in your career because you have had so many and you've also overcome all of them, which is just amazing. So can you speak to the biggest setbacks that you had um, leading up to your first Olympic Games in London? Yes. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. It's an <laughs> honour to be on. Um, yeah, I've had some challenges throughout my running career. I have had 11 stress fractures. Uh, I had 11 stress fractures in 10 years. So I had a stress fracture a year. One of the, those years I had two um, in the same year. And yeah, the th- uh, three of those 11 uh, kept me out of three Olympics um, that mm. I was measured for the uniform for. And yeah, that, that was really trying times, I guess, um, as an athlete, especially as a young athlete. Mm. You know, my, I qualified for my first Olympics when I was 16 years old. That would and have been so, so exciting. Yeah, it was. It was um, for a short time. And then, you know, obviously um, had my first stress mm. fracture and um, I, I really felt like I'd lost my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got injured and I couldn't run anymore and um, I had to kind of get through that, I guess, just find myself without running, um, mm. find who I was, um, realise that I was valuable and worthy without the sport that I love to do and the thing that I love to do and the thing that I feel like I was born to do. Um, when that's taken away, the question always remains, who are you actually? So um, that was a that was a real time of self discovery, and if I went back, to be honest, I wouldn't take any one of those injuries away. I just learnt so much about myself, and um, although, you know, really really hard at the time, um, I guess in hindsight, I yeah the the challenges. I know it's cliche, but absolutely made me stronger yeah. as an athlete and, and definitely as a person as well. So you spoke about finding yourself a little. Um, I can imagine, you know, even going through one setback can be heartbreaking and mentally so challenging to then try again and for it to happen a few times. What were those things that you did to kind of mentally get through those setbacks? Yeah, I mean, um, there was there was a few things. I guess, I, you know, I was I was struggling at the time. Part of part of the reason why I got the stress fractures in the first place was because I was struggling with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. That started um, when I was about 13 years old. Mm-hmm. I um, I guess I fell victim to society's message to young girls mm. that is to be thinner, is mm. to be better. Mm. And um, there's still snippets of that today, which is really sad, but I think we've, we've gotten a lot better at um, empowering young mm. women just to be exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. And... Um, But I guess when I was 13, yeah, I I got into my head that, you know, I need to be lighter Mm. and number one, it'll make me run faster. And number two, I'll, you know, I'll look better and I'll Mm -hmm. look how I, you know, how I think I should look as an athlete. Um, And that was okay for a while. And then my body just began to, to break down. And so I guess for me, getting through the physical injuries wasn't the hardest part. It was mm-hmm. actually getting through the mental battle. Yeah, the mental battle and, and overcoming, you know, um, behaviours that I had um, learnt over a number of mm. years and kind of trying to break those behaviours by, you know, using um, mental skills mm-hmm. tools and using um, my faith, mm-hmm. um, my newfound faith at the time uh, when I was 16 and, and just... I guess 
realizing my value and my worth away from the sport. Mm. When did you find out about your bone density? I know you've spoken about how it was the same as a 65 or 85 year old. How old were you when you found that out? So that was a few weeks after I was diagnosed with my first stress fracture. So Mm. I was just before 17 years old. And, um, yeah, I had a scan to show that there was, in fact, a stress fracture there. And then I had another um, bone density scan. It's called a DEXA. And, uh, yeah, it just measures – it's the measure of bone density in your body. And it was, yeah, that of an 85-year-old woman. And it's it's essentially I was osteoporotic at at 16 years old. Um, And I think that that's – that kind of really hit home with me. It's Mm -hmm. like I've actually done – a fair bit of damage here and you can't actually see it you can't mm. you, it's not super obvious um until obviously you start breaking down um so yeah but I, I believe you know for me it was about addressing the mental um you know the mental health issue I guess of the disordered eating and then once that was addressed and once I could overcome that then physically you know my behaviors would change and then physically I'd get stronger and um, I'd look more healthier and I'd feel more healthier and I'd, I'd be healthy. Um, but that, yeah, that took a number of years in itself. And then, um, yeah, it took a number of years to get over the, the physical side as well of getting injured all the time. Uh, so how long, so when you were 16, you would, um, you had the lower bone density. Mm-hmm. How long did it actually take you until you were healthy as healthy as possible, yeah. healthy again, and your mind was kind of away from the disordered eating. Yeah, so it took about six years mm. yeah, um, wow. for me to finally get to a point where I was like, this no longer has a handle on me. And um, sorry, I'm getting emotional. No, it's okay. But it's- I'm just kind of, I'm reliving it again. I remember thinking I, I'm bigger than this, mm. you know, and I'm better than this. And this will never control me again. And I was 19 years old. So it was, yeah. So it was six years that I struggled with it. Mm-hmm. So I started when I was 13. And then by the time I, um, I guess, br- was brave enough to say, hey, if there's a, I have this problem yeah. and I need help, I was 16 years old. And then it was another three years after that that I was, I felt free from it. Yeah. And, you know, it was... It was one step forward and two steps back totally. for a number of years. It was wanting to go back to familiarity of, um, you know, what I had learned and the destructive behaviour um, because that was familiar to me. Yeah. And um, But I knew that that wasn't the right way and I had to, you know, as I said, use my faith and my my skills that I was learning by seeing a psychologist and you know the um the new I guess um mental tools that I was learning just from having people around me to encourage me um and using those things to to overcome and it's so it is so rife through distance running Mm. um especially and uh yeah I just I'm hoping that you know girls out there that are vying to um you know run fast that they know that they, it's it's doesn't have to go that way mm. it doesn't have to you don't have to be you don't have to be as skinny as mm. you can get 
um, you know, there's no doubt that you need to be lean to be a distance runner, but you've got to be strong and strong comes first. And I found it so interesting when when you've spoken about the fact that your writing actually improved when you got stronger and that your Mm -hmm. muscles were able to absorb the impact more and then Mm -hmm. it helped your bones. Mm Uh, and I, you know, I was listening and I love running, but I was never very good at it. I never got past like district or whatever. So didn't really get anywhere. Okay, um, you're good now. <laughs> <laughs> but I have always thought that. And in my family, I've got, I'm one of three and my mid, the middle sister is very lean, um, kind of similar body shape to me, very sporty. And then my younger sister was uh, shorter and very quite muscly, just a little bit. Um, different shape to us and we always thought growing up that she couldn't do long distance running because we didn't have the same body type and as I was listening to you um, speak uh, on other podcasts about your like the eating disorder I was just so interested because I I'd honestly never thought about the fact that in athletes Mm. you'd even think about it Mm. and but then it hit me like wow it actually would be the most the the kind of the hardest place because you're all everyone wears crop tops and the small undies and everyone's body looks kind of the same and so you'd probably think that that's kind of where you have to be yeah 100% so scary and I mean yeah. at the end of the day you're, you're another human being yeah. and we all fall into that comparison trap where you mm. look at other people around you and um yeah when I was listening to your story um reminded me of my girlfriend who was actually a ballet dancer who she had so many friends who went through similar things and it was in that sport where it got so dangerous because, you know, you're putting your body through so much. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that was something when you got to that age of 19, you like, you pulled yourself out of it. Was that because you realised that, you know, one of your main goals with getting to the Olympics and being a successful runner, mm-hmm. that wasn't going to happen in the state that you were at? Yeah, yeah. And I remember my coach saying that to me, mm-hmm. like almost as exact words, like you need to be strong mm-hmm. to be able to be you know, a woman who is going to the Olympics, Mm. like you're not a little girl anymore. And if you want, you know, he said you can run well into your late 30s, into your early 40s at at an international level. And I'm 37 now (laughs) and still running, which is awesome. So he was right. Um, But I needed to to get Mm. strong. And um, yeah, and I mean, it just takes time. Mm. I think you've just got to be patient and... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's a bunch of, of things that I guess we'll, we'll chat about that I did, you know, physically with and with diet and mm. um, and and also with my training. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that I leads am. perfectly into what I was going to ask about next. You put so much emphasis on hard work, um, particularly with an athlete, that it doesn't always come down to talent. Um, which I think would be really inspiring for young women. I'm sure there is a lot of young women who would feel like they might fall into the comparison trap but it's more on the talent level and think like oh they've naturally got it I'll never be as good as them and Mm. um so can you tell us a little bit about that and how that's been really important for you to focus on hard work yeah I mean you can only you can kind of rely rely on talent for a certain amount of time Mm. and then you've you've actually got to put your head down Mm. and I feel like once I became a senior athlete that that's probably was the case is that okay um, and, and I actually, in distance running, I think that that's how it should be. Mm. Like it should, as a junior and in junior sports even, it should be about just learning everything you can mm. about the sport and about your body and about nutrition and um, and training and then actually implementing all of that stuff when you become a senior athlete. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's definitely days that I don't, 
want to train. Um, and there's not many, but there there are times where it gets really hard, and you have to um, you have to find your why. Mm. And for me, it's about how we've had the opportunity to stand alongside people in Uganda with our foundation, mm. and um, and you know I want to be a good example to my kids. And um, yeah, why else do I run? I n- I've never regretted going training. Mm. Um, and so I always just think about the feeling afterwards mm. as well, about, mm. you know, feeling like I've taken another step forward towards my goals. And, um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Well, yeah. I mean, I it's definitely on hard work. <laughs> <laughs> hard work is training a lot. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of hard work, how do you balance diet and nutrition during your rigorous training to help maintain energy levels? Yeah, well... Finding a um, balance with nutrition is is can be quite tricky. Mm. Um, you know, I run 140 kilometers a week, Crazy. and <laughs> yeah, three gym sessions and two cross training sessions. And um, but yeah, I mean, I I try and get as much nutrients in as possible in terms of unprocessed foods. Yep. Um, I also supplement with things like ubiquinol, uh, which is the active form of coenzyme Q10. Mm. Um, taking a daily ubiquinol supplement um, alongside my, my diet helps negate the effects of stress and exhaustion on the body. Mm. Um, I also take uh, magnesium to help uh, with muscle um, tension, I guess, because mm. you get really, really, you can get really, really lactic and then next day. Um, wake up sore totally so um, yeah magnesium and and ubiquinol are kind of my go-to supplements in terms of helping my body um, get the most out of the food that I eat and Mm. the energy production and deal with the kind of training that it goes through yeah 100% and obviously you also have got a really positive mindset because I think to come back from every single injury and I can't even imagine what it was like Mm. to be fitted for three Olympic um, in three Olympic outfits and then not being able to run in them. Mm. How do you think positively in your day-to-day life? And for um, the women listening, are there any tools that you can teach them that you do when you come up against setbacks? It might be a small thing or, mm. or a bigger thing to get through it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely what I would call a grieving stage when you've had your heart broken, whether it be an injury or a, a bad race or you know a really poor training session or something you go through a mini grieving stage where you like kind of just have to let it go you get to a point where you have to let it go um and then look forward to to what's next um but during I guess all of my injuries it was really important to kind of make a plan for the future and go I guess talk myself through it in terms of I'm still an athlete nothing's changed about that I um my my goals are still the same my goal is always to to become an Olympian and to make the Olympics and so that still hasn't changed yes I have to wait another four years (laughs) um but you know I'm committed to this and um you know there'll be little things that'll that will give me I guess encouragement and motivation along the way other races world championships commonwealth games um i kind of just kept getting injured on in the wrong year in the wrong months because <laughs> i've made four commonwealth games um which are which are four years apart 
um, which is interesting. But yeah, it just seemed like the Olympics was, um, yeah, that year I always <laughs> just bad timing. <laughs> but you did get there. I did get there <laughs> in the end. And one of the hardest things I think, especially in a situation like the Olympics, I can only imagine. Obviously, <laughs> um, it's such a high pressure situation, and I'm sure um, a lot of that pressure might have even come from yourself after maybe not getting there. But you've worked so so hard to finally be there, and, and then you were there. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you personally kind of stay focused and and not get too overwhelmed or help yourself through that process? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just focusing on the next step. Mm. So focusing on the process, mm. not being obsessed with the outcome yeah. or the result. And, um, you know, it's kind of indicative of how my Olympic journey ended up being. I, I really had to just let it go mm. and just do each day of training and not force it, um, not overstretch or overreach and almost let it come to you. You've obviously got to do the work. You can't sit on the couch and <laughs> expect to become an Olympian, but you've got to, um, yeah, relax a little bit and just enjoy the process of getting the training done, enjoying the day-to-day um, and, yeah, just focusing on the, the next step. And I guess I've had plenty of moments where I've where I've been overwhelmed mm. by mm. by you know the enormity of the occasion mm-hmm. especially before races mm. but I find that just coming back to the very next step um is so crucial in getting the outcome that you want in the end mm. um yeah and you're obviously a very disciplined person I think to be an athlete you, you have to be because you have to train so many hours a day I, I wanted to ask firstly how did that affect your relationship with food growing up? Because I think sometimes with discipline, it can almost be a negative thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you can use it for good or for evil. Mm. And I think it's got to be... Discipline has to be nurtured, especially Mm -hmm. when you're young. Um, Because you know you can have an am- a really ambitious athlete that where discipline will probably lead them down the wrong path mm. but um i think now discipline for me is just yeah about going through the process it's about discipline for me is about uh listening to my body and about making good decisions on behalf of my body mm. uh and you know taking a rest day it takes more discipline for me to have a a rest day and for a lot of like (laughs) other athletes it takes more discipline to just rest because there's you know to overreach in training when you're not um when you're not right when you you know you've got dealing with an injury or you're sick it shows a lack of confidence Mm. you know and I think for me over the last couple of years, I've just, I've been learning and relearning again and again that just to be confident to have a rest day or two or three and and be okay with knowing that I'll get that back at some point when my body feels good, when my energy levels feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I mean, a lot of that has to do with, you know, focusing on nutrition and you know all of the the different I guess boxes need to be ticked but um 
yeah, discipline now looks a lot different to when I was when mm. I was younger. It was more about when I was younger. It was more about beating my body into submission mm. and doing as much as I could, as hard as I could. Otherwise, you know, I wasn't enough. Um, now I'm like, I'm totally enough, mm. and I'm like, I'm just rolling with you know how how I feel in training and as I said taking it day to day Mm. and if you could give advice to someone listening who is kind of hearing this right now and and is defined by something that they do it might be their job or they might be an athlete or it might be something else how did you get to the point where you were no longer defined I know you spoke to it a little bit at the start but defined by what time you got in the race or where you came what your place was how did you find your worthiness in yourself instead of relying on, I suppose, what you're good at? Yeah, um, a lot of it had to do with finding faith and finding and realising that I am worthy regardless of, you know, whether I run or not. Mm. And I think that truth was enough to set my mind free that, you know, it's okay. I That frees me up to to I guess unleash it training without the fear of like um, breaking down mm. or without the fear of uh, of losing in a race like it, it frees me up to go oh, I'm just going to have a go mm-hmm. and I'm going to celebrate you know no matter what happens I'm going to celebrate my effort and I think that that's really important too especially for you know young people just to celebrate effort, we forget to do that with um, you know ambitious people. You just look to the next thing and strive for the next thing, but you've it's really important to stop and celebrate how hard you've tried. I think it's something that we all get caught up on all the time, and mm. it's so important too. That's such great advice. To finish off, we'd love you to speak about your foundation and how much fulfillment has kind of I I would assume it would have fulfilled you so much helping others yeah totally um we recently celebrated our 10 year anniversary which is awesome um and yeah things are going really well in Uganda Uh, Julius our co-founder who I met um through running um he's just been in Australia with his wife to celebrate that 10 years and you know, we've had um, some incredible support for it. We've um, we've managed to have some amazing impact in Uganda, which is so humbling mm. and such a privilege um, to be doing what we do there. And yeah, things are going really well. We're sending a team over um, next week to distribute the um, 17,500 loans to um, women in our Sense for Seeds program. Um, so that's that's going really well. So and, cool. yeah, if anyone wants to get amongst it, it's $30 to sponsor a woman through the program and it's it's absolutely life-changing for them. Yeah, I really love how it supports kind of the whole family and educates as opposed to just kind of sending over money. And, mm. yeah, I think it's incredible. We'll definitely put the website um, so people can find out a bit more and, and do that in our show notes. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think no it's... Problem really um inspirational i mean even if someone's not a runner they can take so much from your messaging on work hard and um learn your lessons and don't take failure as the end of the road and all that sort of stuff so really appreciate your time and yeah i think it's really awesome 
what you're pushing out there to the world. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, we hope you guys enjoy that chat. Lawsy, what did you take from Eloise's chat? I think for me, the biggest thing that I took was that I suppose to reinforce to be positive in your mindset and Mm. and I think something that really stuck with me is that things like our weight Mm. um our time that we get in a running race Mm. um I suppose our achievements or or things that we value on ourselves they're actually not what defines us and I think it's so important to separate that um from our self-worth and find self-worth within ourselves without that validation I think is really really important And, and I loved Eloise's perspective on that and all of the tips that that she shared Oh, absolutely. And as you said, when we were talking to her, it's um, often one of those things that you, I mean, we've both been through things like the modeling industry or just being a girl on social media, Mm. really, and putting that pressure on ourselves and our own body. Um, You can't really imagine an athlete who has to obviously endure so much through their body to be in a position where they might not have the best relationship with food or anything. And to hear that um, that as a as a runner who obviously has to put her body through so much that she went through it. Mm. Um, it actually took me back to a friend of mine, um, Lucy Bartholomew from high school. Um, she actually went to my primary school too. She was she is a runner. She's an incredible. We spoke about it on the podcast. Did we? Lucy, yeah, we did. Did we? Yeah, you spoke about Lucy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought yeah, I told yeah, yeah. no because I told her I told her about her at the top of the stairs. Now nah, you spoke about one friend that you had in high school. Oh, no. Oh, my it God. It was Haley. Yeah. So no, that's oh, okay. I'm so sorry. No, that's Hayley. fine. I'm like, you're okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no it's Continue. Fine. Sorry, Bex. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, yeah, Lucy, Lucy Bartholomew, who's an incredible runner. Um, she went through a period in high school which was kind of similar. Um, she's always loved running, but she lost herself a little bit and had this whole pressure on herself um, to be a certain weight range. Mm. Um, but it was really good to see her come out the other end and obviously be so fit and healthy these days. So it kind of reminded me of her story. And it's it's just one of those things that things like bad relationships with food and your own body it can happen to absolutely anyone, no matter what walk of life you're in or what you do for a career. Um, and I suppose it's just it's really nice to hear a story where she's come through at, at a more positive end. And, you know, but I liked that she was really realistic about how long it took her. You know, yes. it wasn't like, yeah, I just decided one day I had to pull my head out of it and you know it'll be fine like she admitted that it's been a really long time for her to completely kind of remove that side and as you said I think it's all about her being able to recognize that she's worth more than those sort of things and maybe you know being a mum has helped her get there as well um but yeah I just found it a, a really inspirational story um that she shared so yeah, the, thank her enough. the journey, I think that was the most important thing. And, and for anyone listening that is, you know, going through a hard mm. time with their body image or that letting the, the number on the scales kind of define you, I think it is so important. And when Steph and I went through our um, kind of anxieties with food and things, we both something that I wish I kind of knew is that it actually takes a long time to get through yeah. it. And I think you see stories of people that are better or, you know, they've, they've changed their mindset and you think, oh my God, I, could, I can't do that. Journey, yeah. yeah, but you can. It yeah. just takes, you know, a lot of time. And, and I loved what Eloise said about the fact that she celebrates her body for being strong. Mm. And that's amazing. And that's a mindset that really, really helped me. And totally. yeah, I really love that message. Yeah. Cool. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this chat. Um, we'll be back next week with more <laughs> yeah um we might just depending on how how everything yeah. goes we will have some updates um 
for kick for you guys really soon. Um, some things that we're doing um, to, to help as well as um, with the podcast. We're not sure we'll have access. Usually we interview people in, yeah. in our podcast room. So it might just be Steph and I for the next few weeks. Oh, um, no. But we will <laughs> we will pop back in um, and we'll check in with you guys and, and update you. But yeah, we will be back next week and um, we will we'll talk to you then. Yeah.